Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Really Welcome to the Really Double Seven podcast for yet another look into the extensive James Bond songbook catalogue. I think this is now our Eighth, eighth look, I think, into the, the many varied songs from the last 60 years. I mean, what a legacy that is. And, yeah, you can download all our episodes. They're on iTunes and Spotify in audio format. And we've got video interviews and more on our YouTube channel. If you just look up Really Below 7, you should be able to find us. And please subscribe, rate, and recommend us too. Went a bit high-pitched then. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're on uh, social media as uh, some of you will have gathered, many of you will have gathered, so Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, yeah, please give us a follow and join in on the chat, of which there is plenty. So a special shout-out tonight to Mr. Phil Joyce, who is a devoted listener and a positive voice on Twitter. Who'd have thought? Uh, but anyway, thanks for your support, Phil. But tonight I'm actually joined by, first of all, a regular contributor and my brother, Math. Good evening, Math. Good evening, Tom. And we've also got not one, but two special guests and friends of the show. And actually, I was thinking they both share something in common. They, they've both got stage names. So I'm, I'm joined by <laughs> the bold man and the man with the red trousers. <laughs> That's correct, isn't it? Um, <laughs> their real names, anyway, are Chris Eels. He's the man with the red trousers, and I believe he's got red trousers on tonight. And also David Stevens, who is the bold man. So good evening, Jeff. Good evening. Good evening, MQ, 
minister. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're all here, very good. Yeah, now, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll turn to young Chris first of all. Now, I think I first came across you on Twitter, where I mean, I'm the I'm basically the guy who does all the Twitter stuff, but. I think you, you you sent a picture. You I think, was it your son was playing with a like a, a, I don't know was it a Duplo or some kind of oil rig, and you were like this this is reminding me of the Diamonds Are Forever review that we did with David, da- not this David the a license Quido. That's exactly right. That was uh, a while ago, and I think that was one of my first posts on my 007 bookshelf Instagram yes. account. Please follow, like, and subscribe. Yeah, it, what was it? Six hours worth? Of <laughs> no, not forever. Ten episodes. I think it was ten hours. Oh, right. Even more. So yeah, 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 just yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah, saturated, saturated with diamonds are forever. I was just sat there early one morning, and my boy had been playing Duplo, and I said, "It was like this Dude, is." Yeah the oil rig from Diamonds Are Forever and that's Tiffany, there's Bond, there's the Bartho sub and yes, the universe aligned. <laughs> no, that was, it was very encouraging to see that because, you know, when you start a podcast, you've no idea who's listening other than a couple of mates and even, even they probably aren't actually listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's a whole, there's a whole community of Bond fans that certainly we didn't know were out there and it's, it's brilliant to see them. Not just in England, of course, and in Great Britain, but all over the world. It's, it's been amazing to interact with them. But yes, Chris, you, you mentioned you've got this 007 bookshelf account. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, yeah, it just sort of came out of this sort of book collection that I've got and thinking, okay, what's a way in to the Bond social media world? You know, I can't start a podcast you guys have cornered the market on that. <laughs> well, there are, you know, there are other Twitter accounts going on and reviews and that sort of thing, but there weren't that many that were focused on the books or focused on artwork and that sort of thing, which is where my collection sort of started. The first book I had was an old pan copy of Moonraker that was my grandfather's. Oh, amazing. And obviously there are all the other books, so started to collect just the books and then realizing, oh, they don't match up. So I've got to get that set and then I've got to get that set and that set. And suddenly it just turns into, oh, I may have a little bit of a addiction problem. <laughs> you can see the bookshelf behind uh, yeah. Chris. <laughs> and it just yeah. keeps going and going. And then uh, incredible. I think it was, cripes, 15 years ago, there was an exhibition in Edinburgh on the artwork of the Fleming books. So getting the catalogue for that and using that as a reference manual and starting to tick off which ones have I got and all the rest of it and seeing which other ones there were out there. And there's some amazing artwork ranging from the beautiful to the coarse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the race. <laughs> the racy one. I mean, there's that, there is a, a, a selection of books from the 70s. I think it's the Granada print run where it's scantily clad women almost making love to these giant golden pistols. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure how that would go down today. You know, no. you can get that past the print. Uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> PG, the films, they were for a bit, weren't they? So. I mean, it's, it's not a bookshelf, really. It's a, it's a library I can see mm. behind you, but 
Is it is it growing? Is there room for more? I think I've got to hold off. I've got to hold off for the moment. And this probably isn't exactly all of it. You know, I've, my parents' loft uh, also contains a couple of boxes <laughs> of uh, extra yeah. material, which at some point I will have to uh, take ownership of. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Both of you guys were on our anniversary special, which was it was lovely to see you mm. there. And I think, Chris, you were we were focusing on, may, well, mainly the books we ended up talking about. I can't even remember what section was it meant to be on. We were supposed to be talking about John Glenn. It was about John Glenn. Okay, right. Well, yeah. We, <laughs> had, we did end up about that, and then we ended yeah. up segueing into uh, You Only Live Twice. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Steve Clump All conversations, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. All conversations on Twitter seem to end up with, well, it was like the novel You Only Live Twice at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> it seems to be an excuse banded around forever. <laughs> that's that's the touch point for the moment, yeah. yeah. But what, what would you say your favourite Fleming novel was, Chris? Favourite? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I got a copy of that recently. The Folio Society did a reprint and I picked it up thinking, oh, yeah, I could read this to my son. And the start <laughs> is not... It's not that good as well. <laughs> I, I need to wait a couple more years before he can, right. he can get into that. Um, but uh, no, favourite Fleming novel, certainly uh, it's a toss-up between From Russia With Love and Unmanaged um, Secret Service. Mm. I think they are yeah. sort of yeah. the two cornerstones of his writing. And then obviously everything else sort of cascades from there. They do vary wildly in quality, some of them. And no, I've noticed recently thinking about them all again, he's always playing with form. He's always playing with structure of the novels. From Russia With Love, the first half of the book, Bond isn't in it at all. It's all about the plan. And then on A Manchester Secret Service, him and Tracy are on the beach. And then it's a flashback for the past 48 hours before we get into the novel regularly. Spy Who Loved Me, again, Bond isn't even in it for the first two thirds. Casino Royale, you start and then it's another flashback and then you go forward again. So there's always this playing with structure. Chris, can I uh, can I ask you a question? So clearly you're um, you're very you know knowledgeable about the books and a big fan of the books. I'm I'm assuming. So how? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried where this is going. No, no, I'm no, not, yeah, no. How? How? I'm not a literary connoisseur. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's more. It's more. It's more from the fact of, of being a fan of the books. So how are there? I don't know. Precious is a bit of a loaded question, but how how much are you bothered or passionate that the film adaptations should be, you know, good adaptations of the book? Or are you, you know, fairly relaxed that, well, it's difficult to, to put that on screen or whatever. So, you know, whatever. So like for, you know, I don't know. Moon, Moonraker, the film is absolutely nothing like the book, but I hope, I don't, I mean, I don't know, but does that stop your enjoyment of the film? Are you able to completely detach from that? And, and like going forward, how, how much, how much should do you feel the the films be uh, a reflection of of the books? If if they're going to be new stories, how much do you you know think they they should look back and hark back to the old books? If that makes sense, I'm not precious that the films are not a reflection of the books, or at least those ones that are not reflective of the books. So, on a Magic Secret Service is surprisingly close to the book and is my favourite of the Bond films, and it is wonderful. From Rush With Love is very close again, but obviously you can't get a direct compar- direct remake of that because the structure of the book wouldn't allow it. Uh, Moonraker is set entirely in England, 
and is very much a 50s Cold War story. So you can't transpose that to Roger Moore with space shuttles <laughs> and all of the excessive fabulousness that that entails. It's it's impossible. They t- there is there's that line in uh, Moonraker. Uh, the minister says, "I play cards with Drax," and that is a that yeah. is in the big card scene in the book. So they they touch mm. on it, and it's okay. They're making some sort of connective tissue, but you can't be sacred to some of these things because they are such a period piece. The novels mm. when Pierce Brosnan was uh, banding about the idea of, "Oh yeah, let's make Casino Royale." set it in the 50s, let's get Quentin Tarantino to direct and Uma Thurman can be Vesper. Like, this this could be good if it's set in the 50s and you want to be that reverential to the original text. But it didn't happen, doesn't matter. We got Daniel Craig's Casino Royale and it was fabulous. And they, it, you know, that followed the novel quite closely. Mm. It swings and roundabouts. It swings and roundabouts. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might touch on that later when we... Discussing more of the a, a Craig film, well, a video game based on a Craig film. See how we're how we're getting on in terms of uh, the Fleming and all that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. In terms of you growing up, though, Chris, with Bond, how did you get introduced to it? I mentioned it on the anniversary special. It was sort of late. I remember the first seeing of Bond was late one Christmas night, catching the end of Goldfinger, oh, and. Wow. He was Goldfinger was getting sucked out of the plane, and then the, it was crashing down, and then Sean Connery and Honor Blackman rolling around in their parachute, and then the music. What is this? This is fantastic. <laughs> my God. And then my dad saying, oh, yeah, there's loads of other movies as well. I was like, all oh, right, let's try and get some more. And then just recording them off the TV, so Thunderball every Easter bank holiday Monday seemed to be a staple during the late 80s, early 90s. I remember having Moonraker on VHS recorded off the TV and watching that a lot and then getting The Living Daylights again recorded off the TV and it's all just you know we're of that age I say we I'm yeah. assuming we're all <laughs> early mid late 40s so it's you know we had that we lived in that VHS time where you either saved up the money to buy them from HMV or yeah yeah you recorded them off the telly and tried to not get the ad breaks. Or enjoy the ad breaks. <laughs> or enjoy the ad breaks. <laughs> you do the fact that brings it back to your to your day job, Chris. You you do you're involved with advertising, aren't you? Yeah, so I uh I work as a producer making TV commercials. The one filling in the gaps in between the TV. <laughs> I'm sure it's a lot more than that, but that's that's brilliant. I know, I know you you have told us before on the anniversary special, you know, your, your favourite Bond actor and your favourite Bond film, but for those who didn't sit through the five hours of, you know, <laughs> when I, drud- I was, drudgery on that episode. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I know I said sort of Sean Corey was the was the in with Goldfinger, but it, I sort of ebb and flow with mood. I looked at the uh, Sorter app that oh, yeah, did, yeah. you know, what are you... That, it was quite an interesting way of picking what are your top bonds. And I did it, what was it, a year ago, two years ago, and got On a Managed Secret Service, Octopussy, and The Living Daylights in the top three. And then I did it again recently, and it was the same top three just jumbled yeah. up. Mm. I was yeah. like, okay, I can live with that. So those three are apparently my favorites. 
And then even the top 10 was roughly the same, just a bit mixed mm. up. The bottom did remain the same, and I'm sure we can all... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> so this was a year ago, so it might have changed. It was, uh, well, no, it was Die Another Day and Spectre and Quantum were swimming down in the bottom. <laughs> and that was yeah. joined by the latest... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it changes. I mean, certainly it's that... It's that and best bond always changes as well because even though my best film is on a majesty's i don't think george lazenby was the best bond mm. but then how do you quantify one and the other so you know roger was terrific and at the moment i'm on a real ah oh, he was fantastic mm. but dalton if you offer me up one of his films i'll snap it and be like yes that's mm. perfect yeah. night viewing so it, it I, I can't. I can't pin myself down. It's. 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 It ebbs and flows. So good though, isn't it? There's, there's so much to enjoy. Yeah. So such a varied back catalogue, and yeah, we'll just watch them all over and over again, don't we? <laughs> so David, yes. Sorry, you've been waiting in the wings there. It was good to to have you on our anniversary special as well. But how did how did you get into Bond and the, the world of James? Bond? Well, I've, I've told this story before actually on James Bond Radio, so um, I'll try and give, keep it as brief as possible. Other podcasts are available. Other podcasts are available. <laughs> no, I, I, I was. I mean, I've watched Bond films on the TV like any other person growing up in the UK. You know, they're on all the time, aren't they? But I remember the moment I became a Bond fan, and that was when I had to go and do work experience, which I'm sure everyone of our age will remember doing. And my school was quite keen that you do work experience and if you don't find a placement then you end up working in Woolworths for two weeks probably restocking pick and mix or whatever you know so um you're always quite keen to try and find a placement my first week I think was in Barclays Bank but I couldn't find a second week so my uncle stepped in who had a computing firm up in Brighton he said come and work with me for a week and uh, and so I did and he paid me as well which is great so I was away from home for the first time disposable income but my aunt and uncle were socialized they used to go out a lot so I was kind of home alone this is pre-internet you know there's no <laughs> there's not much to do really but they had a modest VHS collection <laughs> and uh, within that modest VHS collection were four James Bond films I just sat and, and watched them and I thought goodness well these are these are amazing like what why am i not you know obviously teenage years you know i thought fantastic so speaking to my aunt at the dinner table she said oh there's loads of these bond films there's loads of them out there you know so with my newfound income and independence i scoured the shops of brighton you know which is a great place lots of independent shops second-hand bookshops record shops I, I believe boots the chemist used to sell vhs back in those days that's how that's how old i am <laughs> i think they had a few on deep on deep sale so i picked up i mean i went home with a suitcase full of bond vhs covered in snow <laughs> and uh, fleming books <laughs> got home i think my mum was like what is all this stuff you know what, what what is all this she said well maybe you should join the bond fan club and the rest as they say it's history i've been a bond maniac ever since so good. When you mentioned Woolworths, I thought you were going to mention the, the two-for-one deal that they were doing uh, at one stage. I, remember, I think, Matt, didn't we get some in that in that collection? Yeah, we did, yeah. So we'd, we'd be at church on a Sunday morning, and then there was a Woolworths up the road, and we'd, we'd – I can't remember how yeah. much it was. It, obviously, it was better to buy two. So 
you know, you'd, over the weeks, you'd gradually accumulate it. Oh, so, so exciting. Absolutely loved it. Shouldn't spend money on a Sunday, though. So well, yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, no, no, Actually, yeah, we... <laughs> Dear me, piety. But, yeah, Dave, um, growing up then, so th- those four, what were the four then that you had? That, that you had? At, you I know, can't remember exactly. I remember there was, there was a Connery. I think there was a couple of Moors and maybe a Dalton. I think they had, like, You Only Live Twice, The Spy Love Me. You know, they had the, the, the films that casual Bond fans would have in their collection, you know, those sorts of movies. Oh, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Yeah, it all, it all went from there, really. And when you saw more of the less casual ones, you know, like The Honour Majesties, I suppose, and, and others, which, which became your favourites over the years? Well, I, be, I became a Bond fan. Um, that would have been the early 90s, so it was in the six-year hiatus between Licence to Kill and Goldeneye. Which felt like yeah, a long yeah. time back then, but just seems to be normal these days. I remember Goldeneye was the first yeah, film that yeah. I saw in the cinema, and that absolutely blew my socks off. I love love that film still. Majesties is has always been a, a film that I enjoy, but yeah, I'm a I'm a Tim fan, so Living Daylights it's always been straight up there. It's always always been my top movie, Living Daylights. There you go. This is I mean you must have you must have known coming on here that the obsession with Dalton, I don't it seems to attract us, though, as well. I think people seem to flock, don't they? And again, before we started the podcast, I genuinely didn't think he was popular at all. I didn't. I didn't. You don't encounter that. You know, the, if you're having a chat with your mates in the pub and Bond comes up, it's very rarely that Timothy Dalton's mentioned in the, the in the conversation. So it's so refreshing. And oh, obviously, we love the other Bonds, but just to have that period, which was probably just before we. It's properly got into Bond. It was like you. It was in that hiatus that watching all the ones that we'd record got recorded off TV, and because of course, License to Kill was a fifteen, so we couldn't see that. We weren't old enough for that. And then when Goldeneye came out of the cinema, that was it, wasn't it? That was just incredible. Is Brosnan one of your favourites? Is he is he on the set in the same conversation with the others? Maybe. No, I think when people ask me my favourite, it is Tim. He is my favourite James Bond. And then there's always that issue with favourite and best, isn't there? That I think the issue is when I when I watch Sean Connery. Yeah, I always think to myself, "Oh, I love Tim and I love Rog, and you know, Pierce is great and he ticks every box." And there are Daniel films that I enjoy as well. Not all of them, but some of them. When you go back and you watch <laughs> the film as Bond, you think, "Wow!" You know, when they had those posters, Sean Connery is James Bond. You know that you, you can't argue with that, really. So. Even though Tim is my favourite James Bond, when people say who's the best James Bond, I always think, you know, Sean Connery is is an absolute classic. You know, those first four films are untouchable, really. Brilliant. I think we no one would disagree with that. That's superb, Dave. Hi, this is Robert Dobby, and you're watching Really 007 Podcast. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. So tune in. Right. Should we get on to... The, the topics at hand go through some James Bond songs so yes as I said our eighth volume of the James Bond songs focuses on Goldfinger and we've mentioned that a bit already we've then got All Time High from Octopus in this we, <laughs> we discussed in our very first episode on our review of Octopussy. I think it's just funny just thinking about that song but we'll we'll we'll, we'll get on to what we think about it later and then we've got as I said a song that I am sure none of us knew existed probably a song from the Quantum of Solace video game that isn't Another Way to Die. 
and it's probably less hated than <laughs> the way to die. Less known. No, no, I'll wait until we get to this. <laughs> I'll wait until we get there. Yeah, make a note, Chris. Yeah, put a pin on that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we will start with Goldfinger. Think back to 1964. John Barry, of course, had just done one, officially, one full soundtrack with From Russia With Love. And he'd never done a song yet because From Russia With Love was written by Lionel Bart. So he's running the whole thing now, isn't he? He pretty much, ever since then, ever since Goldfinger, he's done that, apart from when he couldn't be bothered or he had tax breaks. Broccoli, we love you, John, dear me. Love you more than anybody. Cubby and uh, Harry Saltzman, they allowed him to write the theme song for Goldfinger. Goodness me, good, good choice. <laughs> and as well as the soundtrack, of course. When he was writing it, John Barry created the melody before the lyrics, of course, he doesn't do the lyrics. They were done by two gentlemen called Anthony Newley and Leslie Brickus. Presumably, that's how you say Brickus. I don't know who's. Brickus. Who knows? But uh, the two also collaborated uh, famously on the songs for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, as we, as we all know. Yeah. In terms of the, the two gents, though, themselves, I think we did mention Leslie Brickus before on our Thunderball songs episode. Because he did the lyrics for Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is another underrated song that never sort of saw the, the, the daylight until 1992, really, when it was included on that Bond, that lovely Bond mm. 30th anniversary collection CD that we used to spin, as they never said then. <laughs> and he also did the lyrics for You Only Live Twice, which, mm. you know, very, very famous song again. And in his non-Bond work, he, he won two Oscars. He got nominated eight times. The two Oscars were for Talk to the Animals from Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> I think I made this the joke before, not the Eddie Murphy version. Yeah. Not, yeah, and not the, uh, the Robert yeah. Downey Jr. version. <laughs> no. Did anyone go to see that? Well, Rob from, from this parish, he, he'd seen it with, with the kids, I think. And he, I think he said it was extremely weird, but not as bad as he feared. Basically. He was doing some weird acts. Yeah, Welsh or something. Even the Rex Harrison version is a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Even that's a weird film. Yeah. Yeah, yes, a very odd. Edge. Yes, he. So he. Yeah, he got an Oscar for that song, which is still just relatively famous, isn't it? And he he got an Oscar for the score for a film I've never heard of called Victor slash Victoria. <laughs> Yes. With Julie Andrews. Yes. I just hope, right, so do you know this one, Kristen? It's Victor Victoria is a <laughs> classic camp musical farce where Julie Andrews dresses up. She's a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman God. in a cabaret show. <laughs> and, she fall, and James Garner falls for her slash him. Right. Sounds quite like a Shakespeare comedy. Yeah, it does. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. it's so. It's just it's it's just, it's one of those films where you watch it and you think they had a blast making this, and it's filled with love and fun, mm. and it's just a real joy. And for the time that it was made in, touching on a lot of gay sort of subtext well not even subtext there's just you know it's it's out there yeah, yeah. James Garner's supposed to be this American gangster hiding in Paris falling for a drag queen so he thinks he's gay but actually it turns out she he is a she but then right. his bodyguard falls in love with Julie Andrews 
assistant. So it just, yeah, it's it's terrific. It really, That's great. it's really good. It's really really good. It'll fill a wet Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it had loads of other nominations as well, and I've just never heard of it. I don't, you don't. Yeah. There's a lot of these films that go by the wayside now. That if they're not on TV, and I mean, I've got like Sky, and I've never seen any of these these things mentioned, but. I'm, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it can be found somewhere. We've basically unearthed Hawks, so mm. we can do that. Then I think we can, uh, <laughs> can try with Victor Victoria. That, that's great that you've seen it though, and you can mm. recommend it. That's oh, it's fabulous. Have you seen? I it? have not. No, I was just thinking. Actually, the Talking Pictures Channel on Sky Stroke Virgin. They often have a lot of. Yeah, they, they're, they're currently showing um, one of the uh, kind of Pierce Brosnan TV shows, aren't they? I'm trying to think of the name bit now. It's. Um, it's the one he's in Hong <coughs> Kong, and he's um, Remington Steel. No, not Remington Steel. No, no. It's um, it's a James Clavell, I think, isn't it? Um, novel. Chris might be able to help me with that. Being literary minded, but yeah, no. So it's uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about it on the, the screen. Yeah, oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. He, he's weird. Pierce Brosnan with this sort of grey. I'm nearly grey myself, uh, but this big shock of grey hair in the Far East, being this businessman, and they're all fighting over some lost. Ark or treasure or something—it's mm. out there. But it's supposed to be quite yeah, good. Yeah, no, noble house. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, Mark Kermode is always saying, you know, most of his TV movie of the week on his show is it's always talking pictures. Yeah. And then the so bad it's bad is always on five star. <laughs> well, I, I tend to watch five star more than. <laughs> there's some there's some good classic like Rodge movies and I mean the man who haunts anyway, himself yes. and you know some of the good that you can oh, yeah, you can yeah. find them on talking pictures yeah. now and again. Yes. I need to, yeah, just need to check the, the listings. It's pretty, you know, I, I have seen some class mm. ones on there, to be fair. It is good. Again, in these sort of overlooked films. Leslie Brookes, he also wrote the song Feeling Good, the standard from Buble, it seems, even though it was, um, what's her name, who did it first? I've completely forgotten her name now. Nina Simone. Nina Simone, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's basically on most seasons of The X Factor and everything, isn't it? Everyone does that. <laughs> And can you read my mind? The, the well, it was a song originally for Superman, the lovely John Williams score. He wrote the lyrics to that, really? but of course, in the end, Margot Kidder, you know, just words it, doesn't she? She just they, they, they do a song version of it. I don't know whether it was released, maybe, but it's it's lovely. I mean, it's a lovely melody, all that. Again, people, kids today will remember. That they might know the the, the Superman theme tune, but the love theme is. Absolutely amazing, you know. The, that, in fact, that that soundtrack is one of my favourites. But that's more John Williams, to be fair, than Leslie Brickus. But anyway, yes, and he did the songs for the Santa Claus the movie. <laughs> 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 I don't know why I'm laughing. It's great. But. Was that a musical? I don't even remember that being. A musical. Well, this is like, yeah. it's one of these things, isn't it? There's a couple of songs I think along the way. I think it's the elves, aren't they? That are, yeah. are singing at some point. I don't think like John Lithgow is, is breaking into song <laughs> too often. Remember, <laughs> two others that he that aren't musicals, but he did the songs for were the first two Home Alones. So somewhere in my memory, mm-hmm. the, the lovely song at the end, and and in the second one, the under is it is it called Christmas Star, Matthew? Can, can you remember? Yeah, that sounds right. So nice, just again John Williams, of course. And then uh, yeah, John's favourite hook. Mm-hmm. So. Which people again? Is it? That's not a musical, is it? Even though it was, it was intended originally as a musical, with Michael Jackson as as uh, Captain Hook. <laughs> not Peter Pan, weirdly. Mm, yeah. No, I think he was meant to be Peter Pan, but I'm, I'm not absolutely sure. But 
there, there was some, there was a couple of lovely songs on that, and yeah, I think he got an Oscar nomination for that. Anyway, to to move on, try and move on. <laughs> Anthony Newley, <laughs> the, the other the other co-writer of the lyrics, he was married to Joe Collins at one stage. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's just a little fun fact for you. Again, it's one of these people where I need to speak to someone a bit older because he was pretty famous at the time. He was an actor. He was in David Lean's Oliver Twist as the Artful Dodger when he was a kid, when he was a lad. Yeah, that means amazing. And uh, he was, sorry, this is getting a farce together. Two of the things he was in as an actor (laughs) Terence Young's No Time to Die, (laughs) (laughs) which. We'll say we'll say in our Thunderball review, which heaven forbid it might not be out yet, but I, I can't, I just can't believe no one really mentioned this in mm. the in the the months years leading up to the film that you know Saltzman, Dick Maybaum, and all these people have done one. So was that a tribute or was that? I'm fairly sure I saw someone on Twitter comment that when the title was released, they found the poster for the original film, or let's say the original film, the previous film. And even the font was the same. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stories. The remake. (laughs) The the remake die, wasn't it originally, the title? One would have thought that they would have got that sorted out before they did the GoldenEye press event, which uh, went really smoothly, didn't it? Really swimmingly. Possibly they they should have sorted out the title before then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I, I don't yeah. personally. I don't think it was a homage, but um, but perhaps it was. Who knows? I think that film is a proper sort of cheaply made war mercenaries kind of. I'd almost put it in the same bracket as Wild Geese. And what about and what about the yeah. Terence Young one? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't really work, but I, you know. I just had to say it. So, <laughs> another thing that he was in as an actor, Anthony Newley, and he and he was uh, nominated for an Oscar for the score, Doctor Doolittle, because <laughs> <laughs> obviously they were working together by that. But that was the Eddie Murphy yeah. version. No, no, <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It was a great song in that one. Gosh, he was a popular singer as well. This is the other thing. I mean, people. I didn't know this. He's had two number ones in the UK. No, I don't, I don't know anything about this. Is this a good time to talk about, about, about Anthony Yuli's version of Goldfinger then, Tom? Because you mentioned the 30th anniversary limitation. This is where I'm leaving, eventually. Yeah. 
I'm eventually oh, leaving. Uh, yeah, because all I was going to say, that song, Be You Mind, was written by Lionel Bart. Just link it with From Us With Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you <laughs> if you read a little bit around the, the subject, Leslie Brickus kind of talks about Anthony Newley's version as being terrific, but a bit creepy. Hence why I think they, in the end, they went early. Yeah. But uh, it, it's so different, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's an odd rendition. Imagine if they'd gone with that yeah. one. Have you, have you guys heard it? Many times, yeah. Maybe. Is it the maybe same lyrics or is it completely different? As you say, David, it was first on that. It was on that The Best of Bond, James Bond, the 30th anniversary collection. And that was the one with Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on for the first time. So, yes, it was, yeah. It's got the Dion Warwick Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Shirley Bassey one as well, I think. Yeah, it's got both. Is that the two CD yeah. one, though? Because it wasn't on Amazon. Yeah, the, the double CD one's got lots of extra. Uh, and to be honest, this is one of the things I probably picked up when I was a Bond fan at the very beginning. It's brilliant. I, I love it. It's fantastic. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, when when Britta says it's uh, creepy, it's, it's not creepy. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, say, you say he was in uh, Oliver Twist. This rendition sounds like him as Fabian. Yeah, yeah he does, doesn't it? Yeah. That's got the power of that. It's like, the, have you heard the demo of Golden Hunt? <laughs> it's the kiss of death. <laughs> Let's get the more recognisable super scoring of it. Improved yet. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So there you go, that's, that's Mr. Newley's demo, as it were. But I think I think we can all be confident and say they probably did better with Shirley Bassey. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's iconic. Goldfinger is it's Bond iconography, isn't it? It's a Shirley Bassey track. I, I was watching one of the Blu-rays the other day, and it's about the music of Bond, songs of Bond, and they opened with, with Goldfinger. It's it, there's, it's uh, in, it's indelible, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to remember as well that, of course, like I said, this is John Barry's first song that he's done, and he's the one who chose Shirley Bassey. So, again, he's, he's putting his blueprint. Oh, no, Chris, is that not right? Well, no, you say he chose her. I didn't realise this at the time. They were... Oh, right, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, they, they were together at the time. They chose each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did He did all right with the ladies, didn't he, John Barry? He was, he was a bit of a ladies' man. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it was just that thing of thinking about it. And you, certainly when you think about the music and the, there's that tambourine running through it. If yeah. John Barry and Shirley were flagrante delicto... <laughs> 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 I can imagine him in the sound booth banging out the tambourine. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> well, she did famously remove her bra, didn't she? Oh, that's so that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What well, again? I don't. We should have a woman on here to explain it, what that means and why that makes any difference. But uh, yeah, it's another. It's one of these funny stories, isn't it? Like the Tom Jones fainting sort of story, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's yeah, the interesting thing about Goldfinger. There are so many but, stories and you you almost tell it's it's iconic because there's yeah. so many stories about it I've, you've probably heard of the michael kane story and but I, I was only reading something recently i i wasn't aware of the leslie Bricker story when john barry first played the notes 
I don't know if you're aware of, of that particular story. I'll, I'll recount it. It's the audience. I'll, re- I'll recount it for this, you. Uh, so yeah. basically, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Leslie Brickus and Anthony Newley went over to John Barry's house to hear Goldfinger. Barry sat down at the piano and he played the first few notes. And um, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of how, how Brickus said it now. He said, he heard the notes and he sang wider than a mile because it's gold finger it was moon river and that's all he heard <laughs> it was moon river and apparently <laughs> Murray's very oh, yeah. wealthy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no I haven't thought about that but yeah well what's the Michael Caine one though well Michael and Terence Stamp had a flat in London at the time <laughs> This is a family show, so uh, apparently um, uh, <laughs> there are a number of yeah, yeah, yeah. coming to and from the flat, and I think there were some complaints. So Michael and Terence were asked to leave. Terence Stamp went off and found other accommodation, but they all went to the same club, the Pickwick Club in, in London, and Michael Kane knew John Barry and said, can I come and sleep at yours for a while? So... John Barry said, yes, that, that's fine. And in the end, I think Michael Caine ended up <laughs> staying there for quite a while. And as Caine put it, he would basically, you know, be laying in bed listening to John Barry tinker away at the piano. So he was the, the first to hear Goldfinger because Barry was just tinkering away at the piano and Caine was trying to get him to sleep. Oh, basically, wow. he was out enjoying the nightlife. Pretty cool. If he had a lady back as well, it'd be quite nice for John Barry playing in the background. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Romantic Sorry. music yeah. in the background. <laughs> oh. yeah. I, I love Goldfinger because there's so many stories. I mean, Harry famously hated it, didn't he? Harry Salzman. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he did. Yeah. He really didn't like yeah. it. And he said, it's the worst song I've heard in my goddamn life or something like that. And he actually did apologize <laughs> no he, he basically um he yeah. was in the same club as michael kane and terence stamp and, and john barry a few months later and he walked up to um the table the bass just went thank you and just walked off and that's just pure harry isn't it just <laughs> he couldn't apologize but Aww. at least he said thank you yeah 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 that is good but it is, it is it is that thing of the number of people at the time that were beating down on it but certainly mm-hmm. there's that music documentary god it came out around tomorrow never dies time music of james bond yeah it was sort of oh we'll look back at the history of the music and they were covering the shaken and stirred yeah. making of and there's loads of sort of interesting comments i think they interviewed john barry then and he said you have to hit the audience straight off with that boom mm. we're in for a good yeah. show and that's what this song does. And it was the same with Guy Hamilton, the director. He said, I don't know if this is going to be a hit or not, but when they open the film and when that song comes in and Shirley blasts it, it is the most dramatic opening. Mm. And I love it. It, mm. it is. It, it sets the scene. But even within the, it's, it's not just the song. It's sort of in the, in the film itself, in the pre-title sequence. Obviously, you have the blowing up the secret base. Connery comes in, the fight with the guy, the girl's on the floor, and you get the line. Shocking. Mm. Positively shocking. But then that edit, which is so on the button, almost like in Lawrence of Arabia when he blows out the match and you cut to the sunrise. It's that sort of perfect Mm. sound action. When Connery slams that door behind it, you get the bang of the door and then 
bam, bam. Oh. And it's just, oh. you know, you get you get all the feel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, Goodness me. <laughs> it's, that edit, it's that edit, the slam of the door, and then off, and we're away. It's, it's brilliant. You need all these people to be together at this point, don't you? This, it's an amazing that you had all the geniuses, never mind at the Pickwick Club, but on the on the bomb film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even like Peter Hunt, though, you say, with the edit, of course. Guy Hamilton, John Barry. Robert Brown John. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Got it, got it all together, didn't he? And then, of course, Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, because the titles are perfect. But it's, oh gosh, according to the session itself, yeah, oh yeah, of course, there's that, isn't there as well? It's a bit like the one they did for Anna Madison, mm. isn't it? The flashback. Mm. Yeah, there's there's famously bits of the song that kind of correspond with certain parts of the lady's uh, anatomy, isn't there on the screen? So uh, <laughs> if you rewatch it, oh, yeah. you can't unsee <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But you say that even some of the when they're projecting the clips onto her body, it's so provocative. Like you've got the when there's that bit where Goldfinger's jet is pulling into the hangar, and sort of the nose, the phallic nose of the jet is coming up <laughs> yeah. inside her leg. Even the images, mm, yeah. yeah. And then the golf, there's there's one where she's lying there and her arms stretched out, and it's the golf ball is putted along her arm. And then the hole that the ball goes in, <laughs> her breasts. Like, you know, this is every suggestion. I mean, later on, you get a hand, a shotgun being fired, and that's projected on her face. Maybe that's analysing it a bit too far, but it's wow. <laughs> <laughs> you watch this and break it down. All's there. All the suggestions mm. are there. Chris, I feel an article for License to Quirk. <laughs> but then also there's the shots that aren't in the film. Yeah. You get the From Russia With Love helicopter sequence yeah, yeah. on her. And then there's a clip in Q yeah, Branch where a machine gun is in the back of a Royal Mail van. And that's not in the movie. It's, you know, they, there are bits that were taken out at the last minute maybe, or mm. I don't know. It's, yeah, there are wisps of what could have been in there. The recording session... This is quite funny. They did it in an you know an all night session. The session was produced by the in house producer at EMI, George Martin, oh. who of course would would go on to score "Live and Let Die." Obviously, he's more famous for the stuff he did with the Beatles, but <laughs> in in these parts, we uh, <laughs> yeah. And of course, Vic Flick was the guitarist. I think he was the one who said she was struggling getting it all. George Martin was the one who sort of had a word with her, and then she nailed it apparently on the next take. So. All these people. All he helped uh, take a bra. <laughs> yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, we've got trouble yeah. in the show now. <laughs> 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 no, 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 not, no. From, not from you. Yeah, not you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you see, you say that though. The whole, the whole texture of the song and the whole, the lyrics—they're all. It's all innuendo laced, and it's all writhing in the sin of his quest <laughs> for gold and it's you know you've just got to drink it in it's fabulous yeah yeah i wonder who this girl is who is this girl yeah anthony newley i think <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this song is just i mean it's like it's been said by the other guys it's so iconic and it's so um it's a real line in the sand perhaps for where the music would go from here and and you know, being honest, it's probably not one I listen to all the time. It's like I say, it's so iconic. It's an absolutely brilliant song. It lends itself to being used 
in the score. But yeah, that the opening and the orchestration of, of the recording and the way that it, it's a template almost for what, what would be to come. And all those best songs have, have lovely instrumental openings, which I think they still sort of try to do a bit today, not always quite it. Yeah, not, yeah not, not always quite getting to the same level, but it's just it's just amazing. And, you know, it's so your average person probably does know this song, um, I, I think. And, you know, the, there are certain things about Bond and certain Bond songs they won't know, <laughs> which we'll come on to later. But, um, <laughs> but this one, this, this one people know, know and I think people like, and people see this as a real, you know, that's what a Bond song sounds like. People... Often mention, you know, uh, the no, nobody does it better. But yeah, Goldfinger yeah. in the episode, Basic Alan, yeah, he walks along the roadside with windscreen washer fluid <laughs> in bags and singing that, yeah. Including his impression of the, the horn section as well, <laughs> the trumpet. Goldfinger. He's the man, the man with the Midas touch, the spider's touch. Such a cold finger, such a cold finger, <laughs> pretty girl, beware of his web of sin, but don't go in, <laughs> and a golden girl knows when he's kissed her, it's the kiss of death from Mr. Goldfinger. Wasn't there, you say about the Alan Partridge sketch, there was also the guys who did Little Britain. Oh, yeah. yeah. David Matt Lucas and... Matt Lucas. Matt Lucas, thank yeah. you. They did a sort of mini-series of little sketches, and they dressed up as Shirley Bassey and Tom Jones, huh. talking <laughs> about sort of their musical history. And, I mean, we, I joke, we joke with our little group of friends whenever we say, oh, she can't sing a song properly, she doesn't have the range, because that's the line that Matt Lucas says, dressed up as Shirley Bassey, I don't have the range, darling. It's just through all of the titles in the Goldfinger style. Very much. Yeah. Almost, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I must say, I'm particularly fond of Garbage is the World is Not Enough. Oh, Manson, I love it a bit, but she doesn't have the range. Cheryl Crow? She doesn't have the range. Tomorrow, never die. Hi, is there? That's how it should be sung. Is there anyone you like? What about uh, Gladys Knight? She doesn't have the range. Sheena Easton? She doesn't have the range. Paul McCartney? She doesn't have the range. Shirley Bassey? She doesn't have the range. I'm sorry, Shirley, I love it a bit, but she doesn't have the range. But that's you. I don't care. I don't have the range. That's it, though, isn't it? The songs that get the most parodied are obviously mm. doing it right. Mm. Like Thunderball. Yeah. Because they are, they are probably the two most similar songs, would you say, in the whole Bond canon? Uh, Goldfring and Thunderball, in terms of the orchestration and the... Yeah. So um, much And the use of Bond theme within the song, which I was going to mention, yeah, I should have mentioned yeah. as well. I absolutely love that so much. Yeah. I've made a note of that myself that thing that you've got the Goldfinger sort of tune and then at the end, as they're repeating, love's only so gold. It's dun, 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 yeah. Love's only... And you're the Bond theme is in. It puts us back into yeah. the Bond world and it makes it 
cements it. And, sort of and you know, just as just as we've said, it starts dramatically. The way it ends is pretty dramatic as well, isn't it? It's like a real. Oh. It's almost like a bit of a cliffhanger ending for a song. Mm, yeah, yeah. It, it builds and builds to this huge climax, and then yeah. and then you've almost. It's worth talking about it. The where do you go from there? You've got to yeah. have into Miami the warm. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. And it's just, oh, it's got to be. Just showing (laughs) off, isn't it? Yeah. Into Miami is one of the most warming sort of tune melodies. I found myself singing it just because I live on my own in a flat. I I was, I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing some cleaning or something. I just found myself going, you know, just constantly for like twenty minutes. But even that has, in, even into Miami, has a little bit of that sort of sleazy yeah. undercurrent, as Bond yeah. did. That yeah. sort of the little brassy <laughs> yeah. repeat. He was all jazz, wasn't he, in the early days, yeah. and he still a lot of that. And Diamonds Are Forever has that sort of sleazy sound as well. In in a good way, Bounty Bond. Completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> it is Vegas. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a lounge jazz collection that I'm sure very Chris Goldie. That's his sort of his niche of Bond music, really. <laughs> See what he says to that. It was a big hit. It was no, I mean, comparative at the time, number twenty-one in the UK, but number eight in America. Mm-hmm. So twenty songs higher up at the time. I don't know what was going on. Uh, t- I mean, maybe Anthony Newley was, was still at <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran had probably released about ten songs or. Before we leave Shirley, if I may, you need to see her Oscars performance. Of this song? Of this song. It was the 2013 Oscars. I think it was the 50th anniversary. Yeah, it would have been the 50th anniversary, I think. They had a sort of, they did like, all right, celebrating 50 years of James Bond. And there was a edit of all of the highlights of the films came on. Oh, brilliant. People clapped and it was all very good. And then the, the film finished. And then from the back of the stage... This little woman in gold walked forward, oh, yeah. and it was Shirley. And we thought, mm, that, "Oh wow, what was she going to sing?" And she came on, and the music, the Goldfinger music, started. And she was a bit shaky at first. You know, she's not completely. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, I'm on mm. stage in front of Hollywood royalty and the world. But then she got into her rhythm. She took control and completely owned mm. it. And it is a fabulous live performance and she even plays with it a little towards the end you know there's a couple of times where she you know as we said with the repeat yeah. love's only gold she gives a little growl oh, oh yeah gold. and then absolutely belted the last note dropped the mic mm. and was like yes that is it and the whole of the audience got up on their feet and gave oh, a standing ovation. Really, it was like that is <laughs> that yeah. is deserved. And even they cut to Quentin Tarantino, who was clapping, and the look on his face was like, "How can I get her in my next <laughs> yeah. movie?" Like, yeah, yeah, Jackie Brown. I want her in yeah the film. And it was it was brilliant. It just brought the house down. If anyone questions, does Shirley still have it? Watch mm. that. Does she? Yeah, such a performer, mm. isn't she? She's that's always been her strength, the actual performance. And look, she always, when she does it live, it's always but don't go in. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly different to the recorded version. 
but it is effortless and holding the notes is brilliant when I was looking for covers I found a <laughs> it's so me some kind of it's like the X Factor for kids in Germany oh no but a 14 year old English boy was doing it um, <laughs> But I, I, I think it's that's too that's too silly. So I'll, I'll start with <laughs> if Rob was here, if Rob Parker was here, he'd want the, the heavy metal version. But this is by the Leningrad Cowboy, <laughs> <laughs> a, <laughs> a Finnish heavy metal band. But it, the, the guitars do kick in. I don't know whether you can you can hear this. Or not. I, I love the metal ones. I love the metal versions. Of Oh. It lends itself. It suits you, doesn't it? The youngest connection to be it wants to be live and let die. It's... Yeah, it does sound like that. He's <laughs> got this big hair. There's a guy on top oh, yeah. big hair. Suddenly, I don't know what he looks like, but I'm imagining. <laughs> There's no way Rob Parker isn't putting this on a playlist <laughs> tomorrow. There's no way. Really? From, from the album Zombies Paradise. <laughs> Very heavy metal. <laughs> Bumpy. Right, there we go. We're obsessed with that album, Songs Bond Songs, which uh, <laughs> it, it only seems to be us who've heard of it, or me who's heard of it, which was like, was it t- 2014? I don't know what the significance of that year was, but it's it was every, not the most famous people doing them, almost up-and-coming artists. And this one is by a guy called Jason Burke. Who I'm sure you, I'm sure you all know very well. When they don't have a Wikipedia page, you do. You do. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Quite hard to research on this chat, but the tracks on this album they seem to be more sort of like what's the style of music? It's like that '50s, '60s. You, you'll hear it then, but more like it's slightly buried, but more. That makes it sound even more like License to Kill, actually. Yeah, it does have a good point. You know this sort of Mike Flowers pop <laughs> style of... It's like sort of... It's Death Love and his orchestra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But whereas they were all the instrumentals, someone's laid a vocal over the top of them. Easy listening. I'm trying to think what genre. Yeah, it's obviously not as epic, is it? It's quite nice. Well, it's a song. Any good uh, a song as good as this lends it. You know, you can. Yeah. You, you can do what you want with it almost, and you'll still get something of a good song. Now we mustn't mustn't take this song lightly. Mm. It is a classic, isn't it? <laughs> 
keep listening in for part two of our eighth look at the James Bond songbook where we discuss All Time High and a beautiful song from the Quantum of Solace video game. Who knew? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.